MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, February 29th, 2024. Today, the Supreme Court grants cert for Trump's immunity claims and sets oral arguments for April 22nd. Trump asks a New York appeals court if he can put down just $100 million to stay the New York Attorney General's civil fraud disgorgement, but is denied that stay. Mark Meadows' bid for rehearing by the full 11th Circuit panel to move his criminal case out of Fulton County to federal court is also denied. Mitch McConnell is going to step down as Senate Republican leader in November. The medical examiner in Oklahoma is now saying that they are not ruling out the fight as the cause of next Benedict's death. Trump and Biden win their Michigan primaries. And Lauren Boebert's son has been arrested and indicted on 22 charges. And a Michigan judge tells a QAnon extremist to stop pretending she's still the Michigan GOP chair. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hey, Dana. Happy Thursday to you. Oh, happy Thursday to you. We're on the other side of the hump, and I feel like this one has been a long one. Yeah, yeah it's... um. None mm. of those words now sound good coming out of my mouth in that <laughs> order, by the way. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything, but yep. okay. Um, yeah, so so much news today. Some good, some disappointing. Um, I, yeah. you know, I announced I was going on vacation to get the SCOTUS decision. We got it, and we'll talk about it in a second. Um, but uh, yeah. Lots to go over, and uh, I just I hope everyone's having a pretty good Thursday, and that we are recommitting ourselves to making sure that we win this election in November. Yes, please get out and vote. Numbers impossible to manipulate. Por favor. All right, we do have a lot of news today, but we have some quick hits first. And to make a long story short, too late. And first up, Allison's dream is dead. The Supreme Court has granted cert <laughs> in Trump's immunity bid. They've set oral arguments for April 22nd, jeopardizing the trial happening before the election. Andy and I have released an emergency episode of the Jack podcast. We discuss it in detail. You can hear that now. It's out wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for that. Mark Meadows has asked the 11th Circuit's full panel of judges to rehear his bid to remove his Fulton County criminal case to federal court. And the circuit has denied that request. Aww. That leaves in place the circuit court's ruling denying his motion to remove the case to federal court. Well, his next and last option to appeal to the Supreme Court. Who I hate today. Every day. <laughs> right, every day. Yep. Every day is a good day to be disgusted by the Supreme Court. All right. From the Daily Beast. The clock is still ticking on Donald Trump to cough up nearly half a billion dollars for engaging in bank fraud after an appellate judge today refused to halt the New York attorney general on Wednesday afternoon from demanding payment. But while Trump will have to pay the massive fine before he can proceed with his appeal, the judge did pause some parts of Angoron's decision, like the punishments suspending the business licenses of the Trumps and prohibiting them from borrowing from New York lenders. So he goes to the Court of Appeals and says... I don't have enough money. Can I just put $100 million down? And the court said, nope, next. And <laughs> that's where we are. He admitted in this ruling that he does not have half a billion dollars cash. Oh, boy. All right. And the former guy and President Joe Biden won their respective Michigan presidential primaries. No surprise. Trump won 
with about 68% of the vote, and Biden won with about 81% of the vote. And of course, that is not the way the press is making it look like it's a good thing. The uncommitted vote to protest Biden's handling of the Israel-Gaza war came in at just about 13%. And on a funny note, not to the story, but in general, Marianne Williamson has unsuspended her presidential run, and apparently she needs more money, has thrown herself back in the race. I don't understand it. Whatever. <laughs> oh, Marianne Williamson. I, I think Dean Phillips got like one and yeah. something, so, you know, um, uncommitted, did real well. Uh, I also want to point out that Joe Biden, I'm looking it up right now, got 623,400 votes. In 2012, Barack Obama only got about 192,000. Wow. So this is a pretty big turnout for, for President Biden. But the uncommitteds have been heard. I hope yeah, they, absolutely. Uh, you know, vote for Biden. Now, you know, we reported yesterday that Biden ha has been negotiating a ceasefire and was hoping there would be one by the end of the weekend. But it looks like Hamas has backed out of that deal. So they are have uh, turned down the Aye. the deal for the ceasefire. Uh we'll see we'll see if uh if the pieces can be picked up and we can get a ceasefire going. Uh I really hope that we do. All right. We have a lot of news to get to. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, first up from the Associated Press, Mitch McConnell, the longest serving Senate leader in history who maintained his power in the face of dramatic convulsions in the Republican Party for almost two decades, will step down from that position in November. McConnell, who turned 82 last week, announced his decision Wednesday in the well of the Senate, the chamber where he looked in awe from its back benches in 1985 when he arrived and where he grew increasingly comfortable in the front row seat afforded the party leaders. Quote, one of life's most underappreciated talents is to know when it's time to move on to life's next chapter, he said. <laughs> um, so, like, 20 years ago, sir? Uh, quote, so I stand before you today to say that this will be my last term as Republican leader of the Senate. And it is not lost on me that the Supreme Court is just slow-walking justice. The Supreme Court he helped create yep. on the day... That he leaves. He's like, my work here is done and I'm going to stay in the Senate. So he's not retiring. So I'm not sure which next chapter this is, but I don't care. I hate that guy. Uh, his decision punctuates a powerful ideological transition underway in the Republican Party. Um, yeah, it's called fascism. <laughs> From Ronald Reagan's brand of traditional conservatism and strong international alliances to the fiery, often isolationist populism of former President Donald Trump, a.k.a. authoritarian dictatorships. McConnell said he plans to serve out his Senate term. That ends January 2027, by the way. Now, he spoke at times haltingly, his emotions evident as he looked back on his career. Dozens of members of his staff lined up behind him on the back wall of the chamber, wiping away tears as family and friends looked down from the gallery above. Uh, senators from both parties, most of them taken by surprise by the announcement, trickled into the chamber and exchanged hugs and handshakes. President Joe Biden, who has had a productive working relationship with Mitch McConnell, said he was sorry to hear the news. I've trusted him. We've had a good relationship. That's what he said. We fight like hell, but he's never, never misrepresented anything. Wow. Wow. Right. Okay. Uh, AIDS said McConnell, I guess he's openly a dickhead. I um, guess so. <laughs> AIDS said McConnell's announcement was unrelated to his health. 
uh, all right. The Kentucky senator had a concussion from a fall last year and two public episodes where he froze while speaking. Quote, as I've been thinking about when I would deliver some news to the Senate, I always imagined a moment when I had total clarity and peace about the sunset of my work, a moment when I'm certain to have helped preserve the ideals I so strongly believe in. It arrived today. Okay. The senator has been under increasing pressure from the rest of and at times hostile wing of his party that has aligned firmly with Trump. The two have been estranged since December 2020 when McConnell refused to abide by Trump's lie that the election of Democrat Biden as president uh, was the product of fraud. But while McConnell's critics within the GOP conference had grown louder, their numbers had not grown appreciably larger. A marker of McConnell's strategic and tactical skill and his ability to understand the needs of his fellow Republican senators, McConnell gave no specific reason for the timing of his decision, but he cited the recent death of his wife's younger sister as a moment that prompted introspection. The end of my contributions are closer than I'd prefer, is is what he said. Uh, so he, um, good riddance. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't really have anything else to say other than I think he might actually retire before the end of his term. Uh, but will that remains to be seen. It'll be a celebration when it happens. This one's from Brandy Buckman at Long Crime. The 18-year-old son of U.S. Rep. Lauren Boebert was arrested Tuesday and hit with 22 criminal charges, including several felonies following a rash of robberies in Rifle, Colorado, ironic, an area within Republican lawmakers' district. And I know a lot of people would like Lauren Boebert uh, to have the same privacy that she gave Biden's family, which would be absolutely none. Carry on, everyone. In a statement posted to Facebook, the Rifle Police Department said officers arrested Tyler Boebert at 2.30 p.m. on Tuesday, quote, after a recent string of vehicle trespass and property thefts in Rifle. He faces four felony counts of criminal possession of ID documents targeted multiple victims, a single felony count of conspiracy to commit a felony, and more than 15 misdemeanor and petty offenses. Some of those misdemeanor charges include first-degree criminal trespass and at least three counts of contributing to the delinquency of a minor. Several misdemeanor charges also involve petty theft of less than $300. Police are not commenting any further on the matter since an investigation into the robberies plaguing rifle is still ongoing. Legal troubles have long dogged the Boberts. Yes, they have since her ex-husband... <laughs> pulled his junk out at a bowling alley in front of minors. As law and crime previously reported, Rep. Lowen Boebert, oh, not to mention herself, she was also in a little bit of trouble, not with the law, but, you know, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, yeah, Beetlejuice. When she, when she talks about, like, crime is on the rise, she's talking about her family. The amount of arrests in Boebert's family is, in, it's, it's, it's really high. The number's very high. Has anybody calculated a percentage of the crime in Rifle, Colorado? Is it what, what percentage is attributable <laughs> to the Boberts? Because I would be really interested in that. I would as well. Uh, so, as Lon Crime previously reported, Rep. Bobert, who happens to be 36, was cleared of domestic violence accusations in January, lodged against her by her ex-husband. That would be Jason. He was arrested and charged with no less than six crimes the same week he was cleared for allegations. Jason Bobert's charges included disorderly conduct, obstruction of peace officer, and trespass in the third degree for a January 6th incident involving a feud with his ex-wife at a restaurant in Silt, Colorado, known as Miner's Claim. <laughs> 
Arrest records show Tyler Bobert was booked into Garfield County Jail, the same jail Jason Bobert was booked into earlier this year. Court records in Garfield County show his next court appearance is slated for April 16th. However, a spokesperson for the Garfield County Jail confirmed by phone Wednesday that he will attend an advisement or an arraignment hearing, as they call it, Wednesday afternoon. He remains in detention at this point. Representative for Bober did not immediately return a request for comment Wednesday. It is unclear if her son has retained counsel. Tyler Bober will soon become a father. That's according to a lawmaker. She announced last June that her son's girlfriend would be giving birth this March. Business Insider had reported that. The lawmaker announced a week after she was cleared of domestic violence accusations that she was switching congressional districts this year from Colorado's third congressional to the fourth district. She has represented the third district since her election in 2020. And by the way, I don't believe this is working out well for her. A straw poll in the fourth district in late January, according to The Hill, found she was polling dead last against her newfound opponents. Wow. All right. Well, um, one thing I can say is that this kid, his, I think his parents failed him. So yeah, here we are. Next up from Joe Yakurba at NBC. Authorities have not ruled out that a fight at school could have contributed to the death of Nex Benedict, a 16-year-old transgender student whose case has drawn international media attention. And I got to say, this sounds like a walk back to me. Oh, it is a walk back. There's some gaslighting going on and a big walk back because they're in a lot of trouble for their first statement. Mm, Owasso police said in a statement last week that preliminary information from the medical examiner's office indicated that Benedict did not die as a result of trauma. The police department added that further comments on Benedict's cause of death were pending until toxicology results were released. Some community members and others on social media took the department's statement to mean that any potential injuries Benedict sustained from the fight didn't cause his death. However, Lieutenant Nick Boatman, a police spokesperson, told NBC News on Tuesday that that wasn't what they meant. That's not what the statement was intended to mean. Quote, we didn't interpret it that way, he said, uh, of the word trauma which he said was used by the medical examiner's office. He said the medical examiner's office didn't say it had ruled out the fight as causing or contributing to the death and that people shouldn't make assumptions either way. But they did. They, they, I'm like, I'm sorry. So because you're waiting for toxicology, that meant that the trauma didn't cause or you couldn't make it because the statement seemed pretty clear to me. Dana. Absolutely. And this was the police. This was the police making a judgment of a portion of the examiner's report, they didn't even see the entire thing in full. So and they that's why release this is, it to the family. Yep, correct. The police department doesn't normally release such information early, but it did to be transparent and in response to an inordinate amount of public pressure because of the international media coverage of the case. So you put out a statement that you had to walk back. That was your that was your decision. Mm hmm. The department also wanted to address a fury of misinformation on social media, including that Benedict was beat to a bloody pulp and that had to be carried out and wasn't taken to the nurse, all of which he said wasn't true. Boatman said the police department released video and audio recordings to address similar misinformation about Benedict's injuries immediately after the fight and to show that he was escorted to the nurse's office. He was escorted because he couldn't walk there by himself. Let me make yep. clear. Mm hmm. That included body camera footage of an interview with Benedict and his mother in the hospital, as well as 911 audio from the day, the day Benedict died. 
He said the department provided the video and the 911 calls to Benedict's family through their lawyer before it released the information publicly. No, what you did was you put out a bunch of stuff to combat your f- fucked up shit that you did. Now, Benedict's name has become a rallying cry among the LGBTQ community in Oklahoma and nationwide with advocates hoping to draw attention to bullying that Benedict faced in school and state policies targeting queer and trans students, both of which friends and advocates believe contributed to his death. Benedict's mother, Sue Benedict, has told The Independent, that's the reporting that we put out the other last Friday, uh, that he was bullied because of his gender identity. Friends have told NBC News that Benedict was transgender, primarily went by he, him pronouns at school but also used they, them pronouns, which Benedict's family also used. Several other friends said Benedict prefers he, him pronouns, which is, I think, why they're putting that in there is because they were using he, him pronouns in this story. Absolutely. And AG, thank you so much for this. Listen, if you all are on Instagram, and I hope you follow me at DG Comedy, and of course, Allison at Muller She Wrote, there is an account on there called Under the Desk News. And the person who does that, their name is V, and they are incredible. They break down so much of the news, but specifically this case in ways that you can understand it. They are delivering this news very factually in small bites. And the bottom line is the police department said that the trauma didn't cause the death, but in the same breath on the other side of the coin, they said murder charges were not being taken off the table. They didn't know what the fuck they were talking about. And apparently this is not the first time the police department in this specific area decided to throw out something that wasn't completely true to get it off their desk. So they're walking it back. I'm glad there's public outrage. And let's remember all of this started because a woman, a young human wrote about Nex's death in a blog. This was a blog and it got picked up, thank God, by national news and maybe it'll change something. Yeah. Hey, G, thank you so much for that reporting. This is from Matthew Chapman at Raw Story. A Michigan judge ruled on Tuesday that contrary to her claims otherwise, Christina Caramo is in fact no longer the chairperson for the Michigan Republican Party. According to Patrick Svidek, For the Washington Post, quote, Kent County Circuit Judge Joseph Rossi on Tuesday granted a preliminary injunction against Karamo, prohibiting her from acting as chair. Karamo has refused to give up the title, even after the Republican National Committee officially recognized her successor, former Congressman Pete Hoekstra, this month. Apparently, she's still not stepping down, even though the job's been filled. Karamo, who happens to be a QAnon conspiracy theorist who ran unsuccessfully for Michigan Secretary of State in 2022, thank goodness, unsuccessfully, swiftly became disliked by the Michigan GOP after being elected to the chair, presiding over catastrophic financial collapse and intraparty fighting that led to a physical brawl between officials. Despite Hoekstra being selected to replace her and despite former President Donald Trump endorsing Hoekstra's chairman, excuse me, the chairmanship, Karama went so far as to lock Hoekstra out of the servers that would help him manage the party, triggering a succession crisis. Good Lord, these children. Actually, that's offensive to children. And I quote, Rossi's ruling came four days before Hoekstra and Karama were set to hold dueling conventions in different parts of the state. It was not immediately clear whether Karamo's convention would proceed after the judicial decision. This was noted in the report and went on to say, Michigan is holding the primary Tuesday, but only some of the Republican delegates will be awarded as a result. The rest will be doled out based on the results of caucuses held at the Michigan GOP convention Saturday. 
And Michigan Republicans are far from alone among state GOP chapters and experiencing drama. Several other battleground state GOP chapters are out of cash. Arizona's GOP leader was forced to resign after a hot mic appeared to catch him trying to bribe the leading Senate candidate, that was Carrie Lake at the time, out of the race. Everyone's a mess. Big bag of rats. <laughs> Republicans in disarray. <laughs> Republicans in disarray. The end. On to the next uh on to the next story. But there are no more stories. That is our hot notes for you today. We have a lot of good news that we need to get to, uh, but we have to take a quick break. So everybody stick around. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Good news, everyone. Then good news, everyone. Good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, you want to play What the Mutt, Find the Cat, Cat Me If You Can, What the Hell's in That Shell, What's the Model of Your Oxalotl, Opine and the Bovine, What the Hequine, What the Fark is in Your Ark, any animal quiz you want to send to us, send it. I love animal quizzes. I will guess what color it is, what kind of animal it is. Sometimes we'll try to guess the breed. We usually get those wrong, but it's still fun anyway. Send them in. If you have an adoptable pet in your area because you can't pay pod pet tax, you can send that to us. Or a small business in your area you want to give a shout out to. Or a shout out to a loved one or your kids or your parents or yourself. Self shout outs are amazing. We love them. Any shout out to the VA health system. Love those. Any uh, student debt forgiveness stories that you have. Whoopie stories, blankie stories, stuffed animal stories, frog orgies, baby pictures, anything you want to send to us. Send to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. All right, Dana, first submission from Anonymous, no pronouns. Hello, Beans Queens. I'd like to give a shout out to all fellow leapers, people born on Leap Day, February 29th. Happy birthday. We only get one birthday every four years, so usually when the actual day rolls around, it's pretty special for us. This year, I'll be 14. <laughs> Cocktails will be involved. <laughs> <laughs> I love your show. Hope you win. I've been listening for about a year now, and y'all crack me up. I always listen to the good news, and I like all the things that the people submit. Never thought I'd have anything, but after thinking about it, I got a few. Good news stories. I gotcha. Here it goes. Misheard lyrics. Proclaimers. I'm going to be 500 miles. In the da-da-da part, we always sang method actor. Not because we misheard it, but because it's funnier. <laughs> da 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 Method actor. da 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 Method actor. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Nice. Pronunciations. Not sure if this one's been sent yet, but there's a street in New Orleans. Oh, Chupatulis? Pronounced Chupachapatulis. I got, I was close. You were very close. I was so close. There's a T at the beginning of this word, by the way, people that can't actually see this. So good job on that. Chupatulis always gives visitors a problem. VA shout out. I would not be alive if not for the VA in Houston. Also, thanks to VA and Temple and BCS for keeping me alive currently. Oh, yeah. I just started back to college at 55. Very good. I'm sorry. I thought you were 14. Shh. Um, I, do, I do not have any fur babies, but I do have a moose. He's very large. His name is Enor. Enor moose. Oh, enormous. I get it. Thank you for all you do. Keep up the good work. <laughs> Love a good pun. Look at the moose. So cute. Thank Very you for cute. that story to kick us off. This is from Grace Pronouns They and Them. Hello, ladies. This isn't a misheard lyric, but misread recipes. Uh-oh. 
I never thought that I would have to teach my kids how to follow a recipe. They tried to make lasagna out of a box one day about 15 years ago. I came into the kitchen to see them with a measuring cup full of all the ingredients, arguing over how to get the noodles into it. (laughs) More recently, my daughter had a quick cook bag of rice. She thought the instructions were sequential and not different options. So she microwaved it for 90 seconds and then got out a skillet to heat it up again. <laughs> it's, do you remember Amelia Bedelia when it was like sponge yeah. cake and there was a real sponge in the cake? Yes. That's what that yes. feels like. Pod uh, Pet tags my neighbor's cat, Moon Pie, chilling out on my porch. Love your good news. Keep it up. Thank you so much, Grace. Oh, pretty tuxedo baby. I want to pet the bellies. Oh, thank you for that. Um, I burn jello, so Grace, I'm, 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 in, I'm, I feel the kids here on this one. All right, Michelle, pronounce she and her. Hello, my beans queens. I'm one of your biggest fans. Can't get through a weekday without you, but refried beans mess me up with the past timelines. Mostly, I listen while doing other things, and sometimes I literally hear something I know was from the past and go, "Huh." <laughs> Anyways, I'm writing because I'm so excited to say that my graduate school loans for urban planning school have been completely forgiven. I've spent most of my career fighting poverty in one form or another. I've spent four years at an anti-poverty organization, four years for a CDC, for CDC proving, no, for a CDC providing a new home ownership opportunities for single moms. I taught public school for six years. I was a grant writer for an HBCU and I'm now uh, working to connect low-income students with the environment through hands-on learning and service projects in the inner city Memphis, including a picture of some of my third graders learning to use binoculars and hiking for the first time. Very cool. While not all of my experience counts towards my loans, I was so grateful to have the benefit of loan forgiveness. Nonprofit work is hard. The small nonprofits that I've worked for have not paid proper health care or retirement benefits, so I'm glad to know I'm out from under this burden. Amount forgiven? $58,989. Amazing. Thanks for all you do. Keep it up. You guys are such a great pair, although I have a major radio crush on Andy McCabe because of the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. I'll let him know. Thank um, you. I love it. Thank you so much, Michelle. This is from Jess, pronouns they and them. Hi, A.G. and D.G. First of all, thank you both for all the work you do on this pod and outside of it to support progressive values and democracy. On to my good news. I'm a trans mask NB. I like that NB. That's the noun, by the way, form of a person who is not distinctly man or woman. I know that's great in and of itself, but I'm getting to the news. Promise. My day job is in IT for Food Rescue Nonprofit. Wow, a trans person in tech. How surprising. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but my gay, my gay job, that was really funny. They call it my gay job, as one of my dear friends would say, is running a site for queer and trans perspective parents, providing family building information from a queer lens. It's called Making Gaby. Oh my God, that's brilliant. I launched it last year. And it's got a lot of resources for the community. I have more content and features planned. I had thought to delay this self shout out until I had more done on the site. But in the wake of next Benedict's tragic death, I've decided to pivot where I spend my extra spoons for the near future. I love the way this person writes. I know. I've long thought it this fight for 2S LGBTQ+. And by the way, the two-spirited is what that is at the beginning, just for the listeners. Those rights that some of us must defend against attacks while others, like myself, smooth the path ahead for future generations. Reproductive rights are still very important to me. But the trans community, especially trans youth, need all the protection and love that they can get right now. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to put a pin in the site for now 
and shift my efforts to build tools that can directly support trans folks to survive and thrive. We need to stick together. We need to make it through. We can't lose faith in humanity. Thanks again for your continuous advocacy and for showing up as you are. It's good trouble and it means so much. Jess, thank you so much for the submission. I love this site. I love what you're doing. I cannot wait to see it come to fruition. What an incredible submission. Yeah. AG, can we take the short one? Because the last one is long. You can end it. Sounds good. All right. This is from Mandy, pronoun she and her. My master's thesis was entitled, quote, moral distress and death and dying. Can nurses do better? Morbid. I know. I've been through a lot though. And I think nurses can do better in this area. I certainly try to have the difficult conversations. It sounds like a it sounds like a Morrissey song. <laughs> Moral distress and death and dying can nurses do better? I mean it just sounds like a oh, you know, I've I've got I've got Morrissey in my head when I read this. And now I want to read this thesis. <laughs> you know, Mandy, my mom retired as a hospice nurse and it's a special person that goes into hospice nursing and mm. I she can attest that not every nurse has the best bedside manner, especially when it comes to moral distress and death and dying. So I love that you actually wrote this thesis. Absolutely wonderful. Thank you, Mandy. All right. Finally, from Maddie O, no pronouns, Queenie Beanies. I'm incredibly <laughs> excited this morning. I've been experiencing some amazing things lately. This past Christmas Eve, checked into rehab and recovery center in California. It has been 65 days since I've used And it has been one of the hardest and so far most worthwhile things I've ever done. I'm working a rigorous program of sobriety, recovery, and finding joy in so many of the things I used to take for granted. But this is not a shout out to myself. This is a two-parter shout out. Wait, a three-parter. A big shout out to the 23rd, 24th annual Rogue Festival in Fresno, California. It started as a backyard theater excursion among friends. It has now grown into a two-weekend-long, non-judged, all-volunteer-run, multi-artist fringe festival every March in the Tower District. It is one of the many little gems that many people cherish and look forward to each year, and so many, many more have no idea it even exists. Shout-out number two. Within the Rogue Festival, there's a secret lair, a labyrinth, if you will. The Labyrinth Arts Collective is the fringiest of the fringe. Nothing excites us more than the taboo, gritty, experimental, not yet and possibly never will be ready for the general public shows. (laughs) We love the macabre. We love it raw and rough and real. The lab is hosting seven performances this year. All the money from the door goes to the artists. And the shows range from personal storytelling to champagne cabaret noir. Ooh, cool. Lastly, and the main reason for really, like, really, really wanting to give a shout out is the amazing woman behind the scenes of Labyrinth, Alicia Rodriguez, who was thrown into the mix of running the theater space by her cavalier partner, me. In the middle of a fight to preserve our neighborhood from a tax cheat scheme between a non-affirming Christo-fascist real estate moguls posing as a church and the slimy owner of the Tower Theater, where the Tower District, which is the only explicitly LGBTQ plus friendly area in town, that's where it gets its name. I signed a lease to save another smaller, weirder, completely unknown theater space from disappearing. Allie had done an amazing job holding the weekly Save the Tower protests together, complete with Proud Boy cops, an assault on a Proud Boy by a veggie burrito in the face. (laughs) Huzzah, burritos of justice. And so many blind eyes by the cops toward harassment and assaults upon our neighbors by mostly out-of-towner fascist weirdos. 
So I took over a theater space, named it for her semi-regular art event she's been concocting for years, and the Labyrinth Arts Collective was born in brick-and-mortar form. The lab hosts monthly art exhibits, twice-weekly comedy shows, burlesque, poetry, and private events, and much, much more. The operations mostly take place after we finish our day jobs and with whatever spare time we can find. It refills our supplies of hope for humanity. Alicia is some kind of Renaissance Wonder Woman, and I can't imagine where I'd be without her. Please check out The Labyrinth on social media and come see a show this weekend and next. Thank you, guys. Love everything you do. Pod Pet Submission, Santa Cruz has some very cool little creatures living in the woods. I present the noble and chivalrous Banana Slug. (laughs) Who knew there were multiple types of slugs? Are there many species of snails, too? Mysteries abound. Local lore has it, if you give one of these dudes a smooch, your lips will go numb for 20 minutes or so from their defensive oozy exterior. I'm not going to find out, but sounds like a good enough Friday night for some people. Possible inclusions in the what the fuck is in your arc umbrella include what the fuck is that slug? (laughs) And what the hell is that snail? (laughs) Cheers, you guys. <laughs> I love that. What the hell is that snail without a shell? <laughs> oh, God. Thank you, Maddie O. Look at that banana slug. Isn't there some sort of school with the banana slug as the as the mascot? I, I feel like I've heard that somewhere. Maybe someone listening graduated from as a no, banana I, slug. Now I have to look it up. Banana slug mascot. You see Santa Cruz banana slugs. Oh my goodness. That's really funny. It's not even like an obscure school. It's like an actually big school that a lot of people went to. And the UC Irvine, I think is the art of art. I mean, it's, it's great. Uh, I love these when usually they'll put it to the students. Like, what do you want your mascot to be? And you'll end up with something like artichokes or banana slugs or, yeah. Um, what did I say? Art, uh, aardvarks. <laughs> it's, it's so great. I love it. I love people. It's like, what was the thing where they decided to name the boat Bodie McBoatface? I think that was fantastic. Oh, you, tr- you, I almost used the word Trump. I hate that that's been bastardized. I, I, I didn't know what you were talking about just now. <laughs> oh, Bodie McBoatface. Um, let's see here. What was that? Bodie McBoatface. Also known as Bodie, is the British lead boat in a fleet of three robotic lithium battery-powered anonymous water vessels, (laughs) autonomous underwater vessels. They named it that. They said uh, it was originally proposed in March of 2016 for hashtag name our ship from an online poll. So they named it Bodie McBoatface. It's those little things. It really is. So thank you for the banana slug. And thank you, everybody, for your good news submissions. We really appreciate it. If you have any good news you want to send us, send it to us by going to dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. You'll see the good news under that drop-down menu. Do you have any final thoughts today, my friend? Not today. All right, everybody. We'll be back in your ears tomorrow for the Friday show. Until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Take care of your family. Vote blue over Q. And take everyone you know with you. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. <laughs>